Welcome into the Metropolitan Golf Report. I'm Skip Berkmeyer, and as this segment is called for our <laughs> Metropolitan Golf Report, is Skip and a Stick, where I, Skip Berkmeyer, interview people uh, that are influenced, that have influence in the game of golf in St. Louis, and there is no better guy to interview for this segment than our friend Jim Mason. Before I get to Jim Mason, for just a second, I want to remind our folks of Dalhousie Golf Club, the number one premier private club in Missouri. Um, they do an unbelievable job from the time that you pull your car into that property to the time that you leave, whether it's the food, whether it's the, the ambiance, whether it's the golf, they're great people. Reach out to them. See if you can play the great Dalhousie. I want to remind you of them. I also want to remind you of the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association. If you need your handicap. You need anything related to the game of golf. Please reach out to the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association and Kurt Rowey. Uh, fantastic people, fantastic organization. Now on to my guest, Jim Mason. And I, I, there is nobody that we could probably have on that has captured everything in the game of golf. This guy has done so many different things. He's a great junior player, great amateur player, turned professional, helped start a golf club, and then for 25 years worked for Bridgestone. And in that segment of golf, so we've got a lot to cover. And Jim, I really, really appreciate you joining me here on Jay's favorite line, Skip in a Stick. Hey, thanks, Skip. Uh, great to see you. I haven't chatted with you for a while, so uh, this uh, this sounds like fun. Oh, it'll be fun. I I, I guarantee. You. I I think I want to start because I want to really know. I I have a good perspective of. I'm 47 years old of, of the past, the people that came before me. And I have obviously playing with people that are, are, are the future. And I look back on your career and looking at things, how good a junior player were you that you decided to go to the university of Texas? Either, either it means you were really, really good, or you had a lot of confidence and realized that's where you needed to go to be a better golfer. Uh, well, Skip, that was a, that that was the best decision I ever made. Um, it was, it came in kind of a funny fashion. Um, I didn't think I was that good a player. I was fairly accomplished, but I think the fact that I had qualified for, uh, I think two or three national juniors that put me on the radar. Um, but there was a guy, Ben Crenshaw's roommate at the university of Texas was a guy named Brent Buckman from Kansas city, Missouri. And Brent was on a national championship team and Coach Hannon down there had said, hey, Brent, is anybody up in your neck of the woods that you think we need to take a look at? And so I got uh, notified by Brent Buckman, said Coach Hannon might be calling you. Uh, I was planning a visit. You know, my brother went to SMU. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't going to go to SMU, but I was thinking about Houston and then some other schools. But um Brent got me down there, and the minute I got down there, I was greeted by Tom Kite, Ben Crenshaw, Brent Buckman, and a defending national championship team, and I was wowed, and they thought I was good enough um, to be down there for four years, and I couldn't sign quick enough, and it was the best move I ever made. So you, you signed there. So you, you, you play there for four years, I'm assuming, and you, and you, were, on, and you were on these teams with – with Ben Crenshaw and Tom Kite and, and those Well, guys. Tommy had just finished. Okay. Ben was a junior when I was a freshman. Now, I wasn't part of that regular squad. I played, I think, in two or three tournaments my freshman year, but they were smaller events. But then I really uh, 
you know, again, I had, uh, I was kind of a, well, I wouldn't call it a one hit wonder, but I was, I didn't have a, I had my moments and my game got really good. My sophomore year, I was the MVP of that Texas team named captain for my junior year. And my game just really took off starting my, uh, my second year at Texas. I was on that team with Ben, but I really wasn't on that traveling five with him. Uh, they were really good. <laughs> I would say, I would say really good, but you got really good, as you said. And I, I think it leads me into another part of your amateur career that I think I really want to touch on is the fact that you not only competed well in college, but on the national amateur scene where you actually made a run at the U.S. amateur. And I'd like you to tell me about that, particularly, you know, what happened that week Because you know, I've played in 11 of those things and to do what you did mm -hmm. is unbelievably special. It, and it was very special for me. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was playing very good golf. The the amateur that year in 1976. And by the way, uh, Skip, I've got 20 years on you. So, um, but it was at Bel Air Country Club in Los Angeles. It was all match play then. So they were you were you were flighted and everything. And I think I ended up playing seven matches there. I just got hot. I, I played really good. The, the the ticket to the Masters back then was the final four of the U.S. Amateur. They've changed a lot of that now. The mid-amateur champion can go. You have some international champions that can go. But back then, that ticket was the final four. And um, I had some really special matches. Uh, I beat the uh, I beat a guy we probably all know, Fred Ridley. He was the defending champion that year. Um, I beat another guy who won an amateur later was Buddy Alexander. Oh yeah. And then I beat the uh, a gentleman named John Fote, who I knew from college golf very well at Brigham Young, who then won the amateur the next year. So there were three, I had three pretty good victories there along with several others. So, uh, but that got the ticket that got the ticket of the masters. And uh, that was certainly the highlight of my golf career. Well, you get to the Masters, so you go the next year, you get the invitation in December, you're all excited, you get to go play. How many practice rounds did you go play? Did you go down there? Lots. Did you go down there and live? <laughs> it was interesting. Uh, the funny story, one of the fellow amateurs that um, he, he – I lost to the uh, – in the semis to the guy who eventually won it named Bill Sander. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a guy named Parker Moore who was a, uh, a star at Clemson. He lost in the finals. Well, Parker Moore lived in his Liberty town in Lawrence, South Carolina. And he says, uh, he called me in February. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm sitting in a bunch of snow up here. He says, well, you know, I live about 60 miles from Augusta. I said, I, I was looking at the map where you live and I saw that. He goes, well, come on down and we'll go over and play some practice rounds at Augusta. I said, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so I played a ball. We, I think we played five straight days uh during that visit and then i played uh with there were a couple of my dad were from monsanto there was a couple of gentlemen that were members from monsanto that were so kind and invited me down for several practice rounds um then of course as the as the tournament comes close i i think i ended up playing close to 20 rounds though that's, so. that's just fantastic so you had the, you had the experience you you had the crow's nest and you did, yep. you did everything that week that you probably could probably imagine. Did you play with anybody special? Who'd you play with the first two days? I'm, I'm, you got me curious. Well, I, the, the first round, you know, they always pair an amateur with a, with a uh, ex-champion. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, th that can be good news, bad news. <laughs> um, <laughs> mine, I thought was very good news. I played Bob Golby. Oh, I grew up with Jay Haas, and uh, of course, I knew Mr. Golby. Mr. Golby knew our family, and he was a true gentleman to me. Um, we, we both played very good the first round. I ended up missing the cut by two shots, but he uh, it couldn't have been nicer to me. Um, you know, my, my, I talk about my friend Parker Moore, who same thing. We were looking at our pairings, and I remember looking over at Parker, and he turned white as a ghost. And I said, "What's going on?" Well, he got paired with Nicholas. So that, I mean, that's a story for a lifetime. But I don't know if I could have handled if I got paired with Nicholas. But um, uh, but anyway, that was it. Was a lot of fun, and I had a great pairing. Second day, I played with a guy from Arizona named Mike Morley. Um, but uh, missed the cut by two. Played pretty good. But, played really well. Really well. I, 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 I want to make sure I mention this, and I don't know if this is the right time or not, but, you know, I think when I think back of people that have been brothers, you know, tandems in golf, you think of the Haas brothers, you, and, and, and I think of Bob and Jim Mason, and I, I, I want to talk about, about your brother, who was also a great player, passed away, I, I, I know, but I, I think it'd be important to, to talk about that. I, I was looking up yesterday the district championships and and then he got to like five finals i mean and, and he lost the whole creep oh, yeah. three times in a row which is that's awful in a lot of different ways to lose the whole creep three times in a row so i <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I would like for you to talk about bob and your brother and, and your relationship and and your whole family because golf was a central part of your guys family yes there's no question skip as i'm sure it was with your family too but it was bobby and i where he was two years old two years older than i was and um uh, he could play he decided i think midway through his um education at smu that he wasn't going to turn pro but he uh was a very good player down there and as you say in the district association tournaments he won i don't know i think he won nine club championships at bell reef um he played in multiple u.s amateurs mid amateurs so he 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 could play, and we were very competitive, no question. We were competitive. Uh, I miss him. He passed. He did pass away, unfortunately, in 2013. But uh, but he, he'll – Hope Green will, will put a lot of credit with my brother. Uh, he's saying that Bobby took him to the limit in that first district championship, and they had, they had some tremendous matches. And um, he, he claims that – Bobby was a part of the start of Jim's great run in amateur golf. I when I when I talked to Jim, he he did mention that he he did say that, and he, he said it before. I've heard him say that a true competitor. Yeah. He always told me he was never afraid, which I think is a huge compliment from Jim. That's huge. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby, he, he wasn't afraid of anybody. He he'd take on anybody and everybody. <laughs> he wasn't a practicer. He didn't like hitting balls. He just liked going to play. Well, I, 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 this kind of leads me to my other, my other, when I was talking about the different facets of you in golf, and I, and this is when I start remembering you more because I remembered you when you're out at Fox Run and when you started, when we were involved in that project and that starting that. I'm yeah. curious, you know, it's been, that's a long time since that, that, that took place and where it is today. I, I mean, we all know Fox Run is a part of St. Louis community, but at one time wasn't. And I, I, I think it's really cool if I if you talk about that because I think it's the best logo in St. Louis. And I think it was it's a fantastic, a fantastic property that you were a part of. Well, I'm very grateful that I got involved with Fox Run, because uh, it got me back in the golf business. I had uh, 
I got in the insurance business and I loved it. I loved what I was doing as I worked for Johnny Moore's father. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but uh, David Alt and I had the owner of Fox Run had a, had a relationship and he called me one day and said, uh, I'm building a golf course in Jefferson County. I said, I know that. And everybody knows that. He said, well, I want you to come run it. <laughs> and I said, I, I don't know what you want me to do. I said, I'm not going to turn pro again. I'm, and it, we just had a long discussion. And then finally he said, go call Gary Kern. The course was about 50% finished. He said, you take a look at it. Uh, tell me what you think. I need your help. And I rolled the dice and I said, he gave me a fairly nice offer. And I said, thank you, Mr. Alt. You're so kind. And so I worked from for about four years and we launched that club and it was great fun. Um, and it is, it's very unique and a great entrepreneurial membership. Uh, I had a blast there. Um, and again, it got me back into the game of golf, which then led me to Bridgestone. So, which is, which is, I mean, to think that you've done all this and now then you're going to start a new venture with yeah. 25 years as a golf uh, retail rep. I, I, I don't even yeah. know where to begin because doing anything for 25 years is remarkable, but doing it in the golf business as a golf rep. That ain't easy, folks. I've sold that stuff. It ain't easy. And so I'm curious. Yeah. You look back at how you started and where it took you. I, I, it's got to be an unbelievable flood of memories for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I got offered the job down at the PGA show because, again, I was I saw the opportunity with David kind of coming to a close. That course had, was up and running and and uh, they were filling positions with, uh, you know, with who they wanted. So I said, well, let's go to the PGA show and see what's going on down there. I went down with Alan Clark and Jody Weber, and uh, they were looking for captive reps, meaning, you know, that just would represent Bridgestone Golf, no other companies. And they were changing the format where they pay you a small salary and then mostly commission. But they were looking at, he said, where are you from? I said, St. Louis. He goes, well, we're looking for a, for a rep in Missouri. And that was 26 years ago. <laughs> and the next day I came back and he hired me on the spot and I went, Oh my God, well, what am I going to do now? And cause, cause they were all asking, they said, well, what is your experience? What, what lines have you held in the, in the business? If you know, Skip, you've done that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, none. <laughs> and they said, well, so I've essentially worn the Bridgestone blinders uh, for 26 years, representing no other companies, the terrific company. Um, we, we have a, very rich uncle by the name of Bridgestone Tire and Rubber. And uh, that was a very comforting type of thing because it's all under the same umbrella. It's a Japanese owned company, but we were a technology company. Nobody does the golf ball better than we do. And I had a, I had a lot of fun. I, uh, 26 years. It was, it, you know, I'm calling on my buddies in the area and the state of Missouri and uh, great products to sell. And it worked out great. Well, it, it started out great. And I mean, you think about Bridgestone and where it came from. I mean, it was really a startup company in the game of golf. And they had precept golf ball. I remember using it when Nick Price won his majors in, yep. the, in, the, in the mid 90s. And that's and that's kind of where the bread and butter was. Obviously, it grew. Is there a, a particular 
year or particular line? I mean, now you got Bryson DeChambeau and Tiger Woods at the end. Yeah. That you, you that you really you knew Bridgestone made it, and you knew that that was a really good year for Jim Mason in those twenty six. We had a couple pretty good runs in those early nineties. You had uh, Nick Price and Ray Floyd. They gave they brought validity to the Bridgestone brand into preset. Right. You always want validity. Um, and then we and then we caught fire with the lady golf ball of all things. I don't know if you remember that, well, but that was in the late nineties, and that was that became the most popular golf ball in golf for about a year and a half, close to two years. And when I was going, wow, this is crazy. Um, then when we the other big a couple other things that happened with Bridgestone, we changed, we we got away from the branding of preset, and that happened in the uh, in two thousand and five, I think. And they decided they wanted a more premium brand and they wanted to bring the name Bridgestone in. Freddie Couples was integral in uh, kind of that decision as well. And he, again, he brought validity to our brand. Um, the, uh, and then we continued, you know, pretty stable business and then some ups and downs as, as it goes in the business. But we've always been very, very stable. Uh, we're a conservative company. Um, nobody wants to mess with our uh, patents. That's what drives the ball business. Um, but uh, overall, just it just was a good career. But we had, uh, and of course now, and then late in my career, we signed Tiger Woods. I mean, that's uh, that that was such a boon to the company as well as in Japan. Um, and of course, he has some new challenges now. Deshambo is an integral part of Bridgestone now. Um, so they're always going to stay cutting edge. Um, whether or not they're going to get into the club business, I'm not sure. It kind of goes up and down with that. But we're uh, it's a it's a very very good company. That's very cool. Very cool. I I, uh, I like to maybe I, I kind of cued you up when we were talking about what questions I'm going to ask, and I, I'm going to want you don't have to do it, but I always like a little story about uh, our our fearless leader at the Metropolitan Golf Association, Mr. O'Toole. Or 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 Jim Holcre, if you've got one, I always would love to because I love to poke the bear and needle a little bit. And I oh boy, well. I know you do. You got me well. thinking about that. I will tell you that the Jim told me that I'm supposed to ask you how you met your wife, and he takes all the credit for that. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he takes all the credit for that. Of course, he takes all the credit for everything. <laughs> oh, I had a funny one. I guess it was. I think you played in the state am at. Uh, Winghaven, not too long yes. ago, or what? Yeah, that's right. I did. I think Jimmy won two matches, and his, his son was caddying for him. And he called me before his third match, and he says, "Hey, Jim, can you come caddy for me tomorrow?" <laughs> and I said, "What do you want me to caddy for?" He said, "Well, you're you're a member out here. You know the course. I need some help." I said, "Okay, whatever. I'll caddy for you." And uh, <laughs> so he was just pure in it. I mean, he was he hadn't missed a shot. On the range, he said he'd been playing very, very good in his first two matches as qualifying. He starts out the match just flushing it. He's getting a match with a kid. And I think they're uh, even, but they were both two, maybe three under par after six holes. And he had missed a shot. We get to the seventh hole, and they move. I don't know if you remember the seventh hole. It's a short mm -hmm. par four. They move the tees up to the white tees. And he says, what, what do I do here? I said, well, I said, what do you mean? What do you do here? I said, you haven't missed a shot since I've seen you. You put a driver in the ground and you knock it on the green and you're fine. He goes, you sure? I said, 
yeah, hit the driver. So he pulls out the driver, he snipe hooks it into the left weeds, <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, oh, aren't you a great caddy? And I, <laughs> I said, I, I don't know what to tell you, Jim. And, of course, he's never left me. You know, I can't live that oh. down. So, uh, but... Uh, he ended up losing that match too, so I've been, I've been in trouble with him ever since then. I haven't been called the caddy for him again. <laughs> well, well, if you're not in trouble with Jim, you're doing something wrong. Is what oh, I, I know, I know. He's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Jim, I appreciate you doing this. Hey, we, I, I think a lot of people need to know, and I, I think we forget how great a player you were, how great you've been for yeah. our area in golf. You've been a fantastic mentor and somebody I've looked up to, and I am just, just through the you're moon, tired and doing well, and. Uh, I hope we get Thank to talk you. or play golf again. You're as good in the 19th hole as, you, as anybody I can tell. I know, I know that for a fact. Well, I've got some good stories, so <laughs> it's always it's a fun game. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for thanks for joining us on uh, Skipping a Stick Metropolitan Golf Report. That's Jim Mason. I'm Thanks, Jim. See you next time. Thanks, guys.